Welcome back to Crown It's Thursday, April 6th. Welcome you guys back to another weekly news digest. I picked out a bunch of stories for you guys here in this last week. And they're pretty much from all over the scope of things. So without further ado, I'm just let you know to check out my website at 527.websitex5.me, crowd, crombiha. Um, you can get to the links to the Substack and Medium articles that I write, um, access to the podcast uh, from a different venue, so on and so forth. So without any further ado, because I don't really want to get too wrapped up in other things here, the Digest is a long list this week, as I mentioned. And the reason that is because there's just been so much going on. So think about it. Last week... The Turkish parliament ratified Finland's NATO membership. So now Finland, as of Tuesday, is an official NATO member. Well, nobody, the Russians haven't really said too much about it because I think they, they knew this was going on. The biggest issue right now is Sweden. Sweden's still in limbo because they're having kind of, I don't know, what do you call it, snooty fits, if you will, over the demands made by Hungary and Turkey. They have yet to concede, and I don't really see the Swedes doing that. So their NATO membership apparently is going to be in limbo for a bit longer, or maybe longer than that. just depends on how things go over there. But that's something to keep an eye on. Then I got this other thing that came in after that. Now this is from Australia. Sydney MP Alex Greenwich pushes for new protections for LGBTQ plus people after hurtful Mark Latham tweet. So basically, this MP from Australia did a bunch of homophobic remarks on Twitter, and everybody down there in Australia is all upset at him about it. And it says the independent state MP says, I didn't think I'd still be subjected to homophobic abuse as labor minister calls for apology. And basically what that means is Alex Greenwich is gay, which is not a bad thing. But the problem is, is Mark Latham basically got on Twitter and hammered him for it. Alex is saying that was wrong, it's hateful, and all kinds of stuff. Well, the bigger context of all of this, in the last week, there have been lots and lots of LGBTQ plus issues going on around the world. Uganda has basically outlawed any reference to it. Death penalties, jail terms, you name it, they're doing it. What was it? Somewhere else? Oh, there was a thing in the news today from my friend Sam up in Canada talking about how Britain is is starting to revise one of their laws from 2010. And they're going to start restricting transgender stuff. That's that's bad. I mean, think about it. The United States has got their own issues. And they're blowing up all over the place from coast to coast about all of this LGBTQ stuff, transgender and everything else. It's all in the red states for what it's worth. But the big thing about it is it's com- it's becoming a worldwide thing now. All of the countries, well, no, I say that, but not all the countries, but a large amount of countries are now pushing back against this and restricting transgender and LGBTQ people and, and isolating them and doing everything they can to marginalize them. Because it's going worldwide right now, I have to wonder where it's all going to end, if it will. Truthfully, the people in that community, 
they better start uh, ducking in cover at this point because it's only going to get worse, it seems like. Then I have an article here from the United States. This one is about U.S. education. This is from Donald Earl Collins, a visiting professor of African-American history. He's with Loyola University in Maryland. He wrote an article called U.S. Education, The Endless Burden of Deliberate Ignorance. And this, is, this was in Al Jazeera. And the big thing what he wrote about was that because the United States, not everywhere, but a lot of states, red states, I hate to keep saying it, but red states, are now restricting all of this African-American education and basically saying race, they're almost like they're saying racism didn't ever, never occurred. We're not a racist nation. We never had slaves. We never did this. We never did that. He's saying because of that, young students coming into college are woefully ignorant of what the real world's like. And they hit college and all of a sudden, bang, they're, they're just inundated with all this stuff. And they're like, oh my God, I didn't know anything about this before. Why am I learning this now? Well, it's coming to a head. And he's saying that a lot of colleges, especially the ones in Florida, are being told you can't teach that. So the students are leaving and going somewhere else and getting their education. And they're learning that they were basically isolated and denied proper education. I got to wonder if there are going to be any protests about that here in the near future. And here's another one. Um, this one's from Houston, Texas. It's another education piece. Houston joins cities fighting potential state takeovers of school jurisdictions. And basically what this amounts to is in the state of Texas, the state legislature is walking into school districts and saying, hey, you're not teaching the stuff that we think you should be teaching. We're going to take over your school district and we're going to dictate the curriculum you're going to teach your students. And the school districts are pushing back saying, no, you can't do that. And the state is saying, yes, we can. So that's going to get interesting because Texas is a a big leader, I guess, if you want to use the term. They are a large leader in what goes on in red states. So Florida being top of the list, everybody is trying to copy DeSantis land. And yet Texas is right behind them enacting a lot of their own stuff. And what Texas does, a lot of other states will also do. So that's a big thing around the country right now is everybody's watching what these big red states are doing, and maybe going to mirror them, which if they do, we could be in big trouble here in the near future. Then here's one from Nevada. This is changing gears again. Nevada lawmakers could grant water authority power to limit Las Vegas residents' water usage. Basically what that means is Nevada is going to start limiting Las Vegas residents' How much water they can use? In other words, you're going to get your water is going to get measured at the tap. You're only going to use X amount of water for your kitchen. You're only going to get X amount of water for your showers and all that kind of stuff. And I'm telling you what, you're living in Vegas and this is coming down a pike. You might want to think about moving. Of course, that could change because here's the thing: there's other stories out there that are going to refute that. With all of the snowpack up in the Sierra Nevadas right now, and still more coming. And all of the big rains that they had over the last couple of months, all of this stuff here about the Colorado River and lacking water and all that may be mute at this point, or moot, I guess, is the word I was looking for, simply because they're going to have all kinds of water. And now that may short-lived, but on the short term, the, the rivers are filling up, the lakes are filling up, 
So maybe they won't have to do this, uh, you know, measuring water here in Las Vegas. You know, we'll have to wait and see. Then I picked this other article here on March 18th. Immigration restrictions are leading U.S. employers to send more jobs offshore. So, as I've said before, here in North America, and whenever I say North America, this means I'm including the Canadians. And the Canadians are basically got a wide open door policy. I mean, granted, they are screening people. They don't want terrorists anymore than anybody else does. But at the same time, they're like, they've got pretty much an open door policy other than bad guys. They're wanting immigrants. Their goal is 500,000 per year. They've got a huge glut of open jobs up there, so they say. They don't have any housing. They got a lot of jobs available. So they're, they're recruiting nurses, well, healthcare in general. They're recruiting tech industries large with Toronto becoming uh, the new Silicon Valley, although they're a long way from being as big as Silicon Valley in San Francisco, but they're getting there and they're recruiting a lot of talent from overseas. What this article talks about, though, is the fact that the United States is lagging behind. And because of all the immigration restrictions, all these companies are basically moving offshore, saying, hey, you won't let us have the people we need to do our jobs and let us run our corporations? We're going to move offshore and, and get the people we need. Screw you, America. Uh, and then that's going, to be, that's going to take a big bite out of the economy, you know, if that gets in full steam. Then there's an article here by Peter Moss. And he wrote an article from TheIntercept.com. The U.S. has a long habit of disturbing habit a long and disturbing habit of ignoring the violence it commits overseas as well as home. And it talks about the Iraqi death toll in the 20 years that we were overseas, and the Afghanis, and all of that. The big thing was we killed a lot of people and a lot of innocent people over there. there the total death toll from bombs and things, hitting villages and other stuff indiscriminately, probably will never really be known. Obviously, the Americans don't want the world to know what we did over there. You know, some of it's leaked out, don't get me wrong. But truthfully, the Americans are going to do everything they can to bottleneck that stuff and not let the world know just how bad we did things over there. But this writer is talking about how we ignored all of that, brought it all home, and we're doing the same thing here in the United States. All the people, you know, over a million people killed by COVID during the pandemic and still, got, still counting. Okay. Now, it's not near as bad as it was, but there's still a lot of people dying from COVID and all of the off, you know, the off variants. They, our government is basically shushing that down. Oh, and we don't want anybody to know about that. We don't want to scare people. We want business as usual. Well, that's the bottom line. It's all about the money. So if they can dumb stuff down, like how many people are dying, whether it's from wars, COVID, you have, you, you name it. We don't want anybody to know about it because we're losing money every time we do. So, government, you know, the American government is on the side of big business. Big business, big business doesn't want anybody to be scared and not come to work. They want workers. The only way they can make money is to have enough workers to do the work they need to do. Well, the government's going to help with that. We're not going to, you know, no more scare tactics, no more lockdowns, no more mass mandates, no vaccine mandates, no nothing. And we're going to put people to work. And if you die, oh well, you're going to get forgotten. Immediate family only, and all that kind of good stuff. The rest of it is just another day in the park. Meanwhile, 
There's another article. It's a political article I picked up here from Slate.com. How the Republicans plan to take away voting rights for Americans if the voters don't vote how they want them to. Kentucky's latest debacle is a good example. The Republican plan to make voting irrelevant by Sherilyn Ithol. And what that means is Kentucky recently had a deal where they wanted to vote for abortion restrictions and a few other very restrictive bills. And they knew that they probably couldn't get the voters to go for it. So they shoved it through without announcing anything in a 15, 20-minute drill at their legislator, got the stuff passed, and oops, oh, by the way, we did this, we did this. And the, the people in Kentucky were like, you did what? How did you get away with that? Oh, and they're all in an uproar. Well, this is how the red states are going to get things done. They are not going to tell the voters. They're just going to pass laws. They're going to bypass the Democrats and do everything they can. This recent deal in Tennessee, um, they had all these open, wide open gun laws and stuff. And, you know, three of their Democratic legislatures got in there and protested along with the protesters. And now they're going to be fired, basically. They're going to be told, you're not allowed to come in here to the state house anymore because you engaged in a protest against something that we're all for. So what that really means is state of Tennessee is is like the wild, wild west. You can carry a gun. You don't need paperwork. You can go get a gun. Just carry it around. Do whatever you want with it. You shoot somebody, oh well. Who cares? And that's a problem. And the government is all on board with that. But Obviously, a lot of people don't care too much after that shooting at that school in Nashville here a couple weeks ago. And as I mentioned about that last week, as I, as I predicted, all those people were had their funerals and buried and very little made the news about it. There was a couple of mentions of the funerals, but by and large, it was dumbed down and forgotten about. And so those six people that got killed at that school in Nashville have already been forgotten by American public. And so, and Tennessee would like it that way. They want to keep things that way, along with the other red states. They don't want people to know that it's the wild, 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 wild west show in their states. But yet, they're going to keep giving everybody guns and taking and saying you don't need a license. And then just go shoot people. We don't care. Have a nice day. We'll clean up the mess when you get done. Here's here's a religious article I picked up, and this one's from MotherJones.com. The Christian groups fighting against the Indian Child Welfare Act. It seems all the Christian groups want to want is to adopt these impoverished, impoverished indigenous children and convert them all to Christianity. Same old story going back several hundred years. Now they have the Supreme Court involved. And what that amounts to is, and I mentioned this a little bit, but if you know anything at all about North American history, the Catholics came first from Europe, mostly the French. The French missionaries, Jesuits, came over to North America, did their best to try and convert the native Indians, mostly the Iroquois Federation, to Catholicism. Bring them into Christian schools, convert them to Christianity, all that kind of good stuff. Well, then the Protestants showed up, the Puritans, the Calvinists, and all the other offshoots. They got involved and took the Catholic notion about two or three steps ahead. And they made all these schools, kidnapped all these children from the reservations and, and, and the tribes, took them to the schools whether they want to go to or not. And the kids really didn't see their homes and families again for years, if ever. 
and the problem with that was that they were severely abused, a lot of them were killed, and a lot of it, and you know, it was all covered up. A lot of it was covered up. Ireland had a big problem with that, with all their Catholic churches doing the same thing. So I blame Christians, not just the Catholics, not just the Protestants. I blame the Christians, period, for trying to subvert people who didn't want to be subverted. They should have been just left alone and being told that you're going to convert to Christianity whether you want to or not. And if you don't, we're going to beat you. We're going to torture you. We're going to kill you until you do. And that's been going on for several hundred years. Well, it's still going on. They're not obviously as abusive as they were, you know, 100 years ago. But still, they're still doing it. They're trying to take children from the reservations, claiming that they're, they're indigenous, not natural parents, can't take care of them and all that. Well, think about it. Why can't their parents take care of them? Well, the biggest reason is because the American government wants to keep all of these tribe members in poverty. They like it that way. They don't want them to have anything to do. And they don't want them to have any money because they're scared to death that they're going to rise up against the Americans again like they did in, in the latter part of the 19th century. They don't want that again. You know, white Americans still have a very long memory. And even though it's been three or four generations ago, they can't forget all of the stuff that the Indians did to protect their homelands from all these white invaders. And it doesn't really matter because the whites paint a different story. All they care about is, well, these people were hurting us, so we, we conquered them. Well, they're still trying to conquer them. You know, I'm thinking, just let it alone. Leave these people be. Give them the same equal opportunity as everybody else should have in this country. Well, of course, we all know that's working out. And then so on. Meanwhile, we'll move on here. The American elite are planning for their escape. So this is a totally different kind of story. This one is about how American rich people have figured out a way to get passports to other countries. They pay a big bribe, basically, is what it amounts to. Six figures, six figure bribes to countries that allow them to have a second passport to their country. Now, the, the article goes on to talk about how most of these people will never use it, but they're using it as a backdoor escape plan just in case the United States just ends up in, in a total disaster. And this is from an economic standpoint. But if the, if the American government fails and everything goes to hell in a handbasket here and they need a way out, they now got an exit. They can use that second passport to go to another country and it's already bought and paid for. And of course, they're rich, so they can afford to just pick up a house, pick up whatever they need, or if they're rich enough, just get in their big yacht and sail across the ocean, and then there they are. They've got their passports all ready to go. But these people are paying six figures for these things. And these countries are all about taking their money. Now, whether they will honor those passports 10 years from now, well, you know, that's a whole other thing. I guess we'll have to wait a few years to find out. Here's another one. Um, about education. This one's from the Washington Post. Schools forced to divert staff amid historic flood of records request. So here's, this is something that goes along with all of this argument in school boards about what's being taught to the children. Now, I've talked about this subject a little bit in the past, and this is another, another nail in the coffin here. What's going on is the parents are now using the, the federal government's Request for Information Act 
to get the schools to force up their curriculums so that the parents can review the curriculum and go in front of the school boards and rant and rail and say, hey, I don't want you teaching my children this stuff. You need to change this. You need to change that. Yada, yada, yada. You need to take these books out of the library, all that kind of stuff. And, of course, you got other parents who are saying, no, can't do that. We like what's being done. So big arguments at school board meetings, and, of course, that's ongoing. But the big thing about it is that because they figured out how to flood this stuff with all these records requests, school staff are now having to either hire extra people or divert what they got to handle all these requests and, and keep up with it. It's crazy. Then here's another thing on education that I picked up. And this is from DeSantis land or what most people commonly call Florida. Governor DeSantis is more than anti-woke. He just delivered universal school choice to Florida. This is from MSN.com. Now, the big thing about that is that it's something like what Arkansas is doing. And he's basically saying, we don't care what school you want to put your children in. We're going to subsidize it. So if you want to send your kid to private school, you'll get a voucher. You want to send them to a charter school, you'll get a voucher. You want to send them to public school? Well, good luck with that because the curriculum in public schools is going to be extremely dumbed down and restricted. Now, obviously, the private schools, they're going to also dumb down and restrict their education because especially if it's a religious school, it's you know definitely going to be slanted in that direction. So basically, though, he's DeSantis is saying Florida's going to pay for all that. And I'm like, well, okay. And Arkansas basically did the same thing not too long ago. So that's... That's going to be a thing, again, in red states. And pretty soon, public schools are going to be empty. Think about that. Public schools aren't going to have any students in them anymore because they're all going to be going to subsidized private schools, charter schools, and so on and so forth. So your regular, ordinary old public schools be largely empty. A lot of echoes in the classrooms. And here's another one from DeSantis. DeSantis war on woke colleges sparks fear among professors and students. Educators are afraid that the government is shutting down any liberal curriculum and DEI initiatives, forcing educators to comply or leave the state. And this one from pbs.org. Now, the big thing about this is something I mentioned a few weeks ago. As I said, I, I know somebody who's a professor at the University of Florida. and I did an interview with her and another teacher down there. But the one that got my attention was this young lady who told me straight up that DeSantis is doing away with DEI initiatives throughout the state. He's doing away with any kind of liberal curriculum. And basically what that means is even the colleges, of course we all know that he's taken away African studies, but he's also going to probably restrict a lot more. So even colleges are not going to be allowed to teach students the real education they need to get out in the world. They're going to be taught what the governor wants them to, to be taught, period. And what he does, other schools around the country are going to do. And then here's another thing. This, this is not education. This one here is about abortion rights. Idaho, and I'll, I'll say this, I'll read the story. It's Idaho's abortion travel level. Idaho's abortion travel ban is incredibly cruel by Myra Donegan from The Guardian. And she mentioned this a few days ago that they were getting ready to pass this law. And if you are a minor in the state of Idaho, you are not allowed, and they just passed this yesterday, 
They are, you are not allowed to travel across state lines for an abortion. You will be put in jail. Your parents will probably be put in jail. Or any whoever your guardian is will be put in jail. Your guardian. So basically what that means is you're stuck. So if you're a 10, 11, 12-year-old child, you get raped and get impregnated, you're stuck. You can't cross state lines. You can't get an abortion. So if anything happens to you and... You you know you lose the baby, which is at that age you're pretty likely, which is likely to happen, or the mother dies in childbirth, which is a very real possibility. Any of those scenarios are really bad. But you're you know I'm focused on the the youngest and the worst victims. But here's the thing: this applies to any minor under the age of probably 18, maybe 20. I'm gonna say. 18 at this point till I know any better. But most likely anybody, any you know, here in the United States, you're considered a minor till you're age 18. So I'm going to go with that. So let's say anybody under 18 who gets pregnant cannot have an abortion. You can't cross state lines. You will be put in jail. You will be punished and all that kind of stuff. Well, so what Idaho does, some other states are probably going to do. I'm thinking Missouri going to be the next one on the list. And then states like Ohio... And then you're going to have Arkansas and all these other places. Pretty soon, all the red states eventually will enact something like this. So if you're in a red state and you get pregnant, you're not married, and you really don't have any way to take care of a baby, you're stuck. You're absolutely stuck. So you have the option to give that baby away for adoption to some sort of adoption agency, whether it be religious or otherwise. And chances are of that baby getting abused flushed around to different adoption agencies and all kinds of stuff in its lifetime are very, very strong. I give that an 80%, okay? Given the current adoption system here in the United States, that's at least an 80 percentile that that child is going to have a very bad life once the mother gives it up. Think about that. You have no choice anymore. You can't get rid of it, period. And that's... I don't know what the what's really going to happen. There's another article about red states that I picked up, a little bit different than abortion stuff. And it talks about populations. Red America is growing because blue America is shrinking. Well, that's a misnomer, kind of. Americans are migrating across state par along migrating across states along party lines and taking their politics with them. Well, that's been going on for a few years now. Making some states more purple than red making some making red states more red. Well, that's been going on for a while. I I said something a couple of years ago about how a lot of folks who are Trump fans, red state fans, all that kind of, you know, conservative Republicans are moving to states that are strongly, you know, conservative Republican leaning, like Texas, for example. But then a lot of folks are leaving going the other direction. So there's mass migrations going back and forth Blue blue feet, blue people going to blue states, red people going to red states, going back and forth. But the problem is they're talking about how America, you know, blue America is shrinking. Well, that's not necessarily true. The big thing is cities have the most populous populations. Well, you know, that's not good English, but here's the thing. Cities have the most population. They're the biggest population centers in the United States. So will they lose a few? Well, they'll, yeah, they're going to lose a few, but they're going to gain some. You know, there's going to be folks who are fed up with living in places like Idaho, for example, and they're going to find better places to live, like a blue state. 
Now, they may still be conservative, but all that's really going to do is take that blue state and make it a little purple. And the blue folks who are staying where they are are going to make purple states. So voting blocks, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes in the future. But the big thing is red states typically are very rural and don't have a, hard, don't have a really big population base. And it's going to be interesting to see how all these migrations turn out. I mean, it's going to take a few years for all this stuff to settle down. And a lot of it's going to depend on what happens in 2024. Whatever president comes in then is going to make the migrations either slow down or increase. It's going to be interesting to see. And there's another, and there's another something about red states. And I, I, another article about something I touched on two, two weeks ago and last week. American children are working hazardous jobs and it's about to get worse by Robert Reich in The Guardian. Child labor violations, including kids working night shifts and with dangerous equipment, are rising in U.S. Repub- in, U- in the U.S. Republicans want even fewer protections. And what that means is in red states, like Arkansas, for example, who just relaxed a bunch of child labor laws there, but these red states are so desperate for workers, especially in agriculture and meatpacking plants, that they are lowering the age limits and restrictions for kids under 18 to go to work. So if you're a teenager and you want to go to work, the door's wide open almost. Pretty much you can do whatever you want. But the problem is the employers are saying, well, you let us do that. We're not going to offer them any benefits. And that means no health care, no nothing. If they get hurt, that's too bad. It's on them. And this is what was written. So basically, if you're a 14-year-old and you decide you don't want to go to school anymore and you want to go to work at a meatpacking plant, you're on your own. You end up working a night shift. You get hurt, too bad. You go back to your parents. Your parents got to use their health insurance to patch you back up. To me, that's pretty sad. I mean, we had stuff like that back at the in the 19th and early 20th century, and then we enacted laws to prevent that because a lot of kids were getting killed and no accountability. Well, we stopped that. Well, guess what? We're bringing it back. And it's only because these corporations are desperate for labor. They're desperate for labor. I mean, they don't want to pay anybody. The immigrants have gotten word that they're not going to get taken care of. And they're they're not going to work at these places. So they're hiring these kids. What's next? And here's something that's a minor blurb. I'm not going to dwell on this too much. As we all know, DeSantis has been in a big fight with Disney over what they can and can do regarding you know, the LDGTQ people that work there at Disneyland and all that kind of stuff. And DeSantis went to war, tried to do something with the local tax board. Well, that kind of backfired. Disney blocked DeSantis' oversight board. What happens next? And the article talks a little bit about how Disney circumvented the board, and now the board that DeSantis elected is basically powerless. And now Disney's is... Figuratively speaking, thumbing her nose at DeSantis saying, nanner, 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 you can't touch us. That war is going to be ongoing. So I'm going to give you a little bit of good news. All, with all that bad stuff, I'm going to give you some good news. Here's an article that was posted in WGNTV.com and by Saul Ilwin. Now, the Hill media picked it up. And it's entitled, Native Americans Use Horses far earlier than historians had believed. The old story that we were taught in school in various other places has been that the indigenous natives of the United States and, and, well, North America in general, got their horses from the conquistadors. 
Well, they're finding out that that's not true. They actually had horses long before the Spaniards ever arrived. And nobody ever paid any attention to it until now. They, dig, they dug up some horse remains and found out that these remains are far older than when the first Spaniards arrived in North America. So that puts a whole lot of cold water on that story. It's kind of interesting to read if you're into archaeology. Here's another funny one. This one is about an intercontinental ATM theft. It's called the Lazarus Heist. Intercontinental ATM theft that netted $14 million in two hours. And it all comes, goes back to North Korea. North Korea set up a network around the world and hacked, used a hacking tool to get into ATMs all over Europe and the United States. And in two hours, they took $14 million and ran with it all the way back to Korea. Now, they caught some of the handlers, and that's how I learned. That's how they learned that North Korea was the, was the, the how do you call it, the, the leader of the gang, if you will. But that's interesting that they got away with $14 million in two, in two hours around the world. I mean, almost literally on every civilized country on the planet. That's quite a network and quite, it's quite a scenario here as far as being able to set all that up. Biden administration appeals U.S. ruling on health coverage mandate. The case could decide whether Obamacare can require health insurance providers to cover preventive services for cancer and HIV. How, once again, Texas rednecks want to eliminate any resistance, any assistance for anyone that doesn't share their religious values. They should just secede and take care of themselves as they wish. Quit trying to control the rest of the country. This article was in Al Jazeera. Basically, what it means is they want to eliminate, well, they want to allow health care providers in Texas to not cover cancer and HIV for transgender and LGBTQ people. And that's in Texas. Again, whatever Texas does, a lot of other red states are going to copy. So that could be another big thing. And this one is from across the world. This one's in Japan. The last students graduate. School closure spread in aging Japan. So as, as we've heard, maybe on a little bit, maybe a lot, depending on what you read, countries across... Across the world, China, Japan is having a big problem. United States, some European countries are all noticing a very strong decline in the birth rate. So what that means is we have countries like the United States, for example, and Japan especially, who have a seriously aging population. And as they age out and die off, but the young people aren't making any more babies. Well, not enough to make up for the loss. Let's put it that way. China's got a big problem with it right now, and they're, man, you know, they're enacting a whole bunch of programs over there to encourage people to have more children. Japan is trying to do it at the same time, but nobody's really listening there. And so what's going on is, as a consequence, is all of their school systems are starting to shut down. The schools don't have any students anymore. So they're basically bolting up the doors as the kids graduate and saying, Oop, sorry, school's closed, no students. Japan, again has had two or three stories in the news about this here lately. So apparently it's a pretty big de- pretty big issue over there. And I, I talked about this a little bit. Here's a story in the garden about drought ravaged California seeing one of the largest snowpacks on record. And I won't really go into that a whole lot because I mentioned it before. Big snows in the mountains, it's all going to melt and head down into the lakes. There was, there was an article about a, a lake that had gone away and now all of a sudden a return with all of this melt... And it's flooded a whole bunch of farms out there. 
So first they had no water, now they got too much. <laughs> Interesting. And here's an article here, and this is a what I call a racial bias article. This was in, also in Al Jazeera, entitled Banking as an American Muslim. It's a horror. Closed accounts, denied transactions and investigations. Muslim face banking bias like no other faith group in the United States. A guy wrote this article because he's running a nonprofit that is taking donations from American Muslims and send them overseas to help all the earthquake victims over there. Well, the American banks shut them down, saying, "Hey, you, we don't know these, we don't know these Muslim Muslim people over there, so we're not going to let you give money." And I'm thinking to myself, "Okay, that's not prejudice, right? Yeah, sure." And this is what the guy talks about. He says it's outright prejudice by these American banks, simply because. Well, we don't know who you're giving this money to. So even though it's your money, we're not going to let you give it to somebody. I mean, come on. If that's not bullying of the nth degree, I don't know what is. Okay? So it's your money. Why can't you do as you please with it? And I'll give you an example. I ran into the same thing. I used to donate to Sinn Féin over in Ireland. And I've had to go around. Because I could not actually... Well, I used to be able to. And I can't now. I cannot directly send money from my personal bank account here in the U.S. and give it to Shanfine and one of their charity programs. It's not allowed. I get blocked. So now I have to use a third-party vendor to donate. And I mean, I don't give them much. 10 euros, you know, 10, 10 Irish dollars occasionally. You know, it's not much. And it won't raise any red, raise any red flags with, the, with the Homeland Security. At least I hope not. But the big thing about it is, it's happening to the Muslims at a huge amount. And it's, it's terrible because what they're finding out is as they're being blocked and they're having to go through massive hurdles to, to go around all of this, their donors are saying, hey, we ain't got patience for this. We're going to give somebody else. So all these earthquake victims who are dying for any kind of help over there, they're not getting any help from you know outside the country because they're being blocked. It's crazy. So this is from the United Kingdom, and apparently some big deal conference they have over there. But the big guys over there got caught for sexual misconduct allegations, so they had to cancel the dinner. Well, how is that not a thing? Uh, we, you know, it happens here in the United States all the time. Well, or in the UK, they hide it really good until now. Well, apparently these don't these people over at the CBI are really, really, really high up in the in the government and corporations and everything else, and that's that's a big deal over there. I mean, I wonder if there's there anything else going to come out about that. Here's something else, and this is more education. Authorian states dwarf America's allies in influencing U.S. colleges and universities. A lot of this talks about China, but it's not just China. But you have a lot of authoritarian countries, China being at the top of the list, who are doing their best to influence U.S. colleges and universities by donor money. By saying, we'll give you a whole bunch of money for your college. You can do whatever you want with it, but you're going to teach things that we want you to teach. We're going to, you're going to allow certain students in that you normally might not let in and all this kind of stuff. You know, so, you know some Middle, East, Middle Eastern countries are doing that more than China as far as that goes. But Chinese students are basically held coming to school here with a gun to their head saying, you can go to school over there, but you got to watch what you say because we got people watching you. And this is true. The United States government has rounded up a bunch of Chinese people 
you know, and accuse them of spying on other Chinese people here in the country and all this kind of stuff. Well, this goes along with it. The Canadians right now are all worried about how China influenced elections up there. Well, you know, the Russians severely influenced our election systems over here, you know, in the course of two elections, especially in 2016. Did we do much about it? Well, we tried, but that got shut down. And so now here we got influential countries doing, and well, think about it. And what the article talks about is that as these students get out of college and some of them want to stay here in the United States and make their applications, well, they've been indoctrinated with their country's ideologies. And they're now going to be spreading out amongst the United States. And that's what everybody's worried about. I now have to, I'm going to change gears with a toxic, this is about a toxic time bomb. So this is a climate change article. A toxic time bomb is ticking in the Arctic. Thousands of contaminated sites are sitting on permafrost that'll soon thaw, a looming disaster that could spread beyond the region. So what they're talking about here is that for the last couple of hundred years, since anybody's been able to travel up to the Arctic, be it a dog sled, you name it, mostly the Russians, but the big thing about it is they've been taking and setting up any whatever. So oil drilling, number one, but chemical plants, they're up there mining for stuff, you name it, but they're leaving all this toxic waste behind. Well, the thought was, we don't care because it's frozen. It's never going to go anywhere. It's locked in ice, never going to thing. Well, guess what? It's unlocking up there. All these toxic waste dumps are, thaw- are thawing out. All this stuff is getting into the water up there. It's getting into the ice. It's going to kill the environment. You know, it's already starting to. And so the good countries are going up there and trying to clean up their waste. The bad countries like Russia, yeah, they don't care so much. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to work out. That's ticking time bomb as in it's going to take a few years, maybe quite a few years, for all of that to really get seriously dangerous. But usually by the time it gets to that point, it's too late. And here's another climate change change article I picked up. The perfect storm, the U.S. city where rising sea levels and racism collide. And this is a nice little story from The Guardian about... Charleston, South Carolina, one of the most racist cities ever to run here in the United States. It's quiet, and very few people are really, they really acknowledge what happened. So just to give you an idea, Charleston, South Carolina used to be the main entry point in the South for all the slaves coming from overseas. They're the largest slave markets were there in downtown Charleston. They still have museums you know, celebrating that fact. And it's a big thing down there. You know, it's kind of helped quiet in this point. But if you look at any tourism magazine about Charleston, it's front page center. But what they're talking about here is that with the rising sea levels and Charleston being right on the water, it's going to have a big impact on the poor communities that are next to the water because that's where the worst land is and that's where they put the poorest people on the worst land. It's typical of the Americans. They don't want poor people mixing with the middle class and upper class, so they segregate them over to the poorest land available and say, all right, this is where we're going to let you live. Well, those places are starting to get flooded now, and these folks are wanting to know, well, where are we going to go? But, of course, Charleston doesn't care about that. All they care about is the tourist money. So they're not going to admit that they're flooding until it's too late. 
because they want the tourists to keep coming. What I call a fluff piece, if you will, human human nature, something. This is, this is in California. A little girl, I think she, they said she was 12. She was part of the F, FFAO out there, and she had a goat. Now, the deal with the goat was they, they let her have the goat. She was supposed to raise it, and when it got old enough to be slaughtered, she would auction it at the local FFA. Well, usually done at state fairs. Well, time the time came, brought the, they brought the goat, and some state official bid on it. He bid a lot of money on it. But at that, at that point, the little girl had fallen in love with her pet goat and didn't want to give it up. Well, the thing is, they I'm thinking that they signed a contract for her to give up the goat, whether she liked it or not. Well, being a 12-year-old, she doesn't understand stuff like that. That's what mommies are for. Well, po- mommy probably knows all about that contract. But instead of giving up the goat, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, but instead of giving up the goat, they backed out, offered to give the money back, and so on and so forth, said she would pay whoever needed to be paid, give them their money back, let us keep the goat. Well, the people at the FFA auction said, ah, sorry, a deal's a deal. you got to give us the goat. Well, when they found that out, they ran away with the goat. Instead of taking the goat home, they gave it to another farm that they knew about and figured it was a safe haven and eventually gave it to another farm that supposedly nobody knew about. But the police found out about it because they put out an arrest warrant for it. So they found the goat. The police sent out, went out there, captured the goat, you know, almost guns drawn, and brought the goat back. And as the article talks about, likely was slaughtered the day they brought it back. But they didn't tell anybody. They're keeping that part quiet. Meanwhile, the 12-year-old is, is um, unconsolable. Mommy's livid, trying to sue people. And I'm thinking, well, okay. I feel bad because I know what it's like to have a favorite pet and have to deal away with that. I dealt with that when I was a little kid. You raise something in a barn, you fall in love with it, and the next thing you know, it's headed for the freezer. I learned to live with that, but at first it was hard. So I feel for the little girl. Meanwhile, though, I don't feel for mommy, who likely signed a contract and should have read the fine print. Should have, you know, if you want to, if you, if you even think your daughter or your son is going to fall in love with this animal that you're signing a contract to give up to the FFA for slaughter, you need to start educating your kids about the realities of life. If you think that your kids are going to fall in love with this and you don't think you want to educate them like that, then don't sign a contract. You can go out there and find a baby something at somebody's farm, bring it home and raise it yourself, and then you don't have to deal with it. It's just a two-way street. Heads, heads you win, tails you lose. But if you sign a contract, I'm sorry, when it comes to money and contracts, nobody in America will back down. If, they lo- if there's a chance somebody's going to lose money, they're going to fight for it, even if it's just pennies. Here's another climate change article. The oceans just reached their hottest temperature at, on record as El Nino looms. Here are six things to watch for. Well, the article talks about El Nino coming this summer. And basically, if it, for anybody who doesn't know, we've been in a, in a La Nina for the last couple of years. And despite all the wildfires and warming temperatures and droughts, we've been in a La Nina, which typically is a cooling thing in the Pacific Ocean. Well, El Nino heats that spot up, and it brings hot air over the west part of the United States. So are we going to have droughts again? Well, hard to say. 
Are they going to get flooded? Nobody really knows for sure what's going to happen. The big thing about it, though, is that the rest of the United States and the rest of North America are probably going to get a lot hotter. Hotter than normal summers. As we see already in the Midwest, that clash of temperatures is causing lots of thunderstorms and tornadoes. It's wrecking things left and right and all kinds of stuff. It's because El Nino is coming. And right now, the, the North American continent is in a transition phase, which is what's causing all these bad storms. So, folks, El Nino's coming, and it may stay with us for a while. So, if you thought you were hot last summer, well, you better break out some better air conditioners. And here's an article I picked up a day or yesterday. This is more of the DeSantis-Disney fight. Why the, Florida's governor, why the Florida governor's fight with a theme park matters. The reason being is this came from CBC Canada. What the article talks about here is the fact that there's a lot of Canadians that visit Disney World in Florida. Disney World is the largest employer and tourist attraction in the whole state. They rake in billions of dollars from tourists from all over the world. A lot of Canadians, and this article talks about it, 3.5 million Canadians travel all the way to Florida to go to Disney World. And so with that, if you start getting in a big fight, the Canadians just might say, well, we don't want to have to deal with all of that. We don't really need to take two grand and, or more and dump it on a Disney vacation. There's better places we can go. If the Canadians pull out of the theme park down there and take their money elsewhere, that's going to be a huge economic dent in not only Disney World, Disney Corp, but Florida in general. That could be a really big deal. You know, that's, that's, that's from the Canadian perspective. Then here's an article that I got this morning. And this is from one of my favorite writers. Her name is Jessica Wildfire. I've mentioned her in the past. She finally showed up on media again and wrote this powerful article about this tornado her and her family just survived. Now, I don't know where she lives, but I think it's somewhere in the southern middle Midwest somewhere. I want to say maybe somewhere around Louisiana, Arkansas, somewhere out there. But they, she talks about in her article how they just survived a big tornado. It basically ripped up the street just across from them. They missed it by feet. And they were very lucky. But the folks across the street and behind them, yeah, not so much. And unfortunately. The big thing about that is that she talks about why. And all the stuff that's been going on. And it's a pretty powerful article. Um, I'm going to put the link here on the, on the blog site for the podcast. I, I recommend that you read it. Now, here's another article here. And this is from the state of Virginia. This one, again, I got this today. This is called Virginia Wants More Healthcare Workers. So does Canada. That's why it's recruiting nurses from Ireland and Africa. Canada, unlike the United States, has turned to immigration as a way to ease its workforce shortages. That's why Tech Hub now has more workers than Silicon Valley. It also talks about healthcare. What they're talking about here is Canadians are going to places like Ireland and Africa and try to recruit professionals and getting them to try to convince them to immigrate. Well, the Irish don't want to go. They're, they're kind of resisting that. But Africans, well, yeah. If they're being offered some kind of immigration incentives, yeah, they'll go. You know, that's, uh, that's a thing. But unfortunately, here in the United States, not so much. The United States is sending delegations across the pond to try and recruit people, but nobody wants to come to the United States anymore. 
they're being they're being basically told, sorry, now we got a better offer somewhere else. And the United States is running out of people, and pretty soon it's going to really come to a head. And, you know, that article I talked about uh, being hired to do stuff, well, it's probably going to get worse, simply because when it comes to labor shortages here in the United States, well-educated people are saying, nope, sorry, we don't want to come. You got too many restrictions on, on foreigners and so on, and American citizens don't want to do this stuff. Or the ones that do, there's not enough of them to go around. So then this is only going to get worse. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work out. And this last one I got for you is, is sort of, it's kind of serious a little bit, uh, only because it goes about how bad the corruption is here in the United States. You know, I've talked about it quite a bit in, in times past. And this one is called Clarence Thomas and the Billionaire, written by Joshua Kaplan, Justin Elliott, and Alex Majerski. Now, this came from ProPublica. It is a news media that's constantly rooting out corruption and all kinds of things across the world. A lot of it is in America because that's where the most of it is right now. And this talks about how Clarence Thomas, one of the most renowned Supreme Court justices we have, and maybe ill repute in this case, in some cases, has been chummy with this billionaire, a conservative Republican major donor for the Republican Party, over East Texas for 20 years. They've been rubbing elbows with some of the world's most conservative rich people. And I, it talks about how Justice Thomas says, hey, I am not being influenced by these people. I'm just going over there for a vacation. The problem is these vacations are being paid for. Everything is paid for by this billionaire. You get He gets paid for his plane trips or boat trips he gets his lodging. He gets everything paid for. Basically, it's a free vacation in, in places around the world and here in the United States. He's been doing this for 20 years. And again, he's rubbing elbows with some of the reddest people in the country with lots of money. And he's saying, no, no, that's rubbing off on, on me. Yeah, I'm sorry. That doesn't wash. You know, you can say that to whoever you want. But anybody with any kind of sense knows better. That's going to be interesting because the reason I say that's interesting is because now that ProPublica has outed him, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Because a lot of times when ProPublica outs somebody, it becomes a really big deal in the world media. So now that this kind of attention has been spotlighted here, I'm going to be watching this kind of closely to see what Justice Thomas is going to do about it. And how many other people this influences. That could be a, it could blow up to be quite a big deal. Now that's all the articles that I have for you this week, and we're almost at the hour. So I would like to say, please contribute here to this podcast. I, uh, you know, I always say that if if this is interest, you know, if my digest is interesting enough in the way that the articles I present are interesting enough for you to want to come back, feel free to donate to my coffee fund. A dollar, two dollars, three dollars, what have you. I know in Substack here, they, it's a minimum five dollars. And, you know, I'm sorry. I wish there was another way to do that. I mean, I'm all about you just buy me a cup of coffee and we call it good. But I don't make the rules and we're subject to that. Be it, be it as it may. So meanwhile, I'll make the solicit once again. If you would 
care to even just be a free subscriber because I don't make anybody pay for this stuff until the articles are at least a couple of months old, then it's fair to put it behind a paywall. But before that, you're welcome to read them all you want to. You can subscribe for free, read the whole article, and you won't hear a thing about it from me. Meanwhile, if you do want to contribute and help me with uh, what it takes to write these articles, I won't turn it away. I mean, I'm not silly. But I will thank you very much for your offers, and we, we let it go at that. So with that, that I'm going to let you folks go. Um, enjoy the rest of your week. I'm going to be looking for more articles for next week, and hopefully I can find some more interesting stuff for you. But given the news it is around the world these days, I'm sure that won't be too hard. Take care. Have a good day.